Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, we continue, of course, our study of the book of Daniel. And we're seeing God's plan for the ages. And also, we're seeing a great man, the man Daniel, being used greatly by God. Now, this morning, what we're going to see is we're going to see Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He was the most powerful man in the world. That's modern-day Iraq. He was the most powerful king in the world. And there, the, the Babylonian Empire was ruling everything. And he had a dream. And when he had the dream, he didn't know what the dream meant, and, and so he called in his wise men, and they couldn't tell him, so he said, but if you can't tell me what the dream is and what the interpretation is, I'll kill you all. Daniel came in and said, uh, basically, Daniel went and prayed to God. God gave him the information, and Daniel comes and says, I will tell you what the dream is and what it means. This is an exciting chapter because, basically, we see the flow of history. This was written in about six, maybe 603, 602 B.C. The nation's that are going to come afterwards, they weren't even there. There wasn't even a, an idea of who they were. And yet, Daniel, God gives us the information of the kingdoms to come. It's a very powerful passage. We're going to see what we call the backbone of human history and prophecy. And as we finish this chapter, as we see this chapter, Daniel stands before the most powerful ruler in the world and tells him what the dream is and what the interpretation is. We'll see it as we go through it this morning. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, I turn on TV sometimes and watching sports and things, but every now and then there's these advertisements for these psychic readers. Have you ever seen those people, people who claim they can tell the future and they use cards or some connection with somebody who's already died? And when you think about it, some of those people have already gone out of business. I mean, if they could tell the future, don't you think they could have seen that one coming? I mean, think about it, you know? The Bible calls this demonic and forbids this, but God has actually revealed the future future kingdoms, the future times, the things that are going to happen. And when you study the Bible, if you study the book of Daniel, you study Revelation, you study Ezekiel, you study First and Second Thessalonians, you study Matthew chapters 24 and 25, you look at Hosea, you look at Zechariah, you begin to put together God's plan for the ages. Daniel chapter 2 is what we call the backbone, basically. We're going to see that God is revealing the future to a pagan king through his faithful man, Daniel. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see the flow of human history. And much of this prophecy that when Daniel gave it, it was future to him, but much of it has already happened. And there's another part in there that, that is for the future. It's even future from us. And we'll talk about how that fits together. I think Daniel chapter 2 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible because it gives us, as we said, the backbone of history. Daniel reveals the dream. God, basically, God reveals the dream to Daniel. Daniel tells the king. We're going to see a progression of kingdoms. We're going to see it this morning. We'll see it again in Daniel chapter 5. We'll see it again in Daniel chapter 7. We'll see it again in Daniel chapter 8. We'll see it again in Daniel chapter 9. So he's going to give us information, more and more information as we go through the book on the kingdoms. We're going to see what we call the list of the Gentile world empires. Because you understand, God chose from Abraham, the Jewish chose Abraham, that became the Jewish people, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to the 12 sons, and on down. That's the Jewish people. Everybody else in the Bible is called Gentiles. So you've got the Jewish people from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. The rest are called Gentiles or Gentile nations. We'll see these world kingdoms as they relate to the nation of Israel. Well, let's begin. Let me just remind you of what's happened. Daniel and his three friends that we see listed in this book, they were taken off into Babylon. Babylon in about 605 BC. The Babylon came in and they conquered Israel. They conquered Jerusalem. They conquered Ju Judah, as they called it. And they were three times they took people off. Daniel and his friends went in the first deportation in 605 BC. 
That's what we see. They were selected because they were very smart young men. They could tell immediately they had a kingly background or a background of a lineage of the kings. And so they picked them and they put them in a, a program to train them and to teach them so they would be able to serve the king of Babylon. And Daniel and his three friends not only were in the program, but they were the best. And when it was all over, God gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams and to tell future from them. And so when Daniel was interviewed by King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, I've never seen anybody like you. And so Daniel and his three friends became wise men. That's what they were called, counselors, basically, in this time. Well, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. One night he goes to bed and he has a dream. And, it, it, and actually it says dreams. So he had more than one, but I think it's the same dream over and over. And so what he did is he, Nebuchadnezzar wanted, he called in the wise men. He wanted them to tell him the dream and the interpretation. Look at Daniel 2, look at verse 1. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams See, it's plural. And his spirit was troubled and sleep left him. And then the dream gave orders to call in the magician, the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, and to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and he said to them, I had this dream, and my spirit's anxious to understand the dream. Well, they looked at him and said, well, you tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. And he said, no, no, I, I, I think you'd just make up something. You're going to have to tell me what my dream was and what the interpretation is. If you look down at Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, here's what it says. The king replied to the Chaldeans, the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your house will be made a rubbish heap. Well, he basically says, I'll kill all the wise men. Now, guess what? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are all wise men. So the word comes down that all the wise men are going to be gathered up and put to death because Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know what that the dream means and nobody can tell him what it is. Well, Daniel got with his men, his, his three friends, and said, pray to God, I'll go pray, and I'll see if God will give us the answer. He goes and prays, and in a night vision, he wasn't asleep, but he got a vision from God, and God told him what the dream was and what the dream meant. So, in chapter 2, look at verse 26. Uh, excuse, look at verse 24. Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him as follows, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence. I will declare the interpretation to the king. So he goes in. And verse 26, the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, just remember this, that was Hananiah, Ashiel, and Mazariah, and Daniel. Those were their real names. They changed them to Belteshazzar. That's Daniel's name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So when you're saying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're saying they're Babylonian names. Most of the time, Daniel is not called by his Babylonian name in the book. But the king says to him, look in verse 26, king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation. Now you would expect, and we saw this last time, you'd expect Daniel to say, yes, I can make known to you. But that's not what he does. Look what he says. Daniel answered before the king and said, as for the mystery about which the king has inquired, this is verse 27, about which the mystery the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. He says, people can't declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream in the, in the visions in your mind while on your bed. 
So Daniel says, look, no regular human being can tell you this. This information I'm about to give you came from God, the true God, the revealer God. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to make known, the, make known everything. So look what happened. Look at verse 29. He says, for you, king, you're on your bed, and your thoughts turn to what might happen in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has maintained to you what will take place. But for me, the mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living man, but for the purpose of making known the interpretation of the king so that you can understand the thoughts of your mind. He said, the king, he said, king, you were, you were on your bed, and you were wondering what's going to happen after you die. You were, gonna, you were wondering, what's going to happen to this great kingdom that you have built? That's how he looked at it. He says, so God's going to tell you what's going to happen after you die. And he says, and by the way, this is not for me to feel important. This is because God wanted you to know. Well, look at verse 31. and verses 31, basically through 35, he actually tells them the dream. Look what it is. You, O king, you were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue and the statue was large and extraordinary splendor and standing in front of you and its appearance was awesome. There was this big statue. The head of the statue was made of gold and its breast was, uh, and arms were silver and its belly and thighs of bronze and its legs were iron and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Now, he saw this big statue and he had this dream and, and in the dream, he saw this statue, which was gold and silver and bronze and iron and iron and clay. The head was gold, and the arms and chest were silver, and the, thigh, the belly and the thigh were bronze, and the legs were iron, and the feet were iron and clay. That's what he saw. But notice what happened to this big statue. Verse 34. You continued looking until a stone was cut without hands. In other words, this rock came out of nowhere. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay, and it crushed them. And then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all crushed at the same time. Came like chaff from the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried it away. Not a trace was found. But the stone that struck the statue became this big old mountain and filled the earth. Now, this is the best we can understand. There's all kind of drawings, pictures. But here's what this statue looked like. They had a head of gold, arms and chest of silver, the belly and thigh were bronze, the legs were iron, and the feet were iron and clay. This is a statue that he saw. We're going to see later when you get to chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar builds a giant statue out of gold. He's thinking of himself. And so... What does this do? This is the dream, and I guarantee you, while Daniel was telling him, you saw this statue, and it had this and this and this, Nebuchadnezzar's going, how does he know this? Because that's the dream. But notice what happens. Verse 36, he says, this was the dream, now we will tell you its interpretation before the king. He didn't ask him, by the way, am I right? Is this the dream? Is it close? He didn't say that. He said, this is what you dreamed, and this is what it means. Because Daniel got his revelation directly from God. And so he's telling what's about to happen. So no hesitation. Look what he says. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven hath notice. Who has given him this kingdom? Whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And whatever the sons of men, wherever the sons of men dwell on the earth, or the beast of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them to your hand, and has caused you to rule over them. Daniel says, the God of heaven has allowed you to be the great king you are. He said, you are the head of gold. That's what he said. He says, the sovereign God has allowed you to rule. And so what we see is the gold was the Babylonian Empire and Nebuchadnezzar 
you are the head of gold. Now, if you're Nebuchadnezzar, you're going, I'm pretty much top. I mean, I'm the head of gold. I'm on top of the big statue. I am the head of gold. And what we're going to see is there's going to be a progression, a progression of kingdoms to come. And we're going to talk about the metal because the metal gets stronger, but it gets less precious because it goes from gold to silver to bronze to iron. Now, each one gets a little stronger, but each one is, is less, less valuable. And so let me give you the progression. I want you to see this is what happened in history before it happened. Daniel said, you are the head of gold. That was Babylon 605 to 539 B.C. And then there was the arms and chest of silver. That following the Babylonian Empire with the Medo-Persian Empire, they ruled from 539 to about 331. Following that was brass. That was the Greco-Macedonian Empire. You might remember Philip of Macedonia and his son, Alexander the Great. They ruled from 331 to 146 B.C. And then the legs were iron, was Rome, ruling from 146 all the way to 1453. Remember, the Roman Empire was sometimes called the Iron Legions of the Roman Empire. And then there was this last thing. I'm going to call it, at this point, we're going to call it the Revised Roman Empire. Daniel did not see anything but four. I'll show you why in just a minute. The iron and clay, the feet, were different than these. So there's this progression of, a king, of the kingdoms to come. And I want you to understand something. This is before it happened, but throughout history, exactly what Daniel predicted came to pass exactly. And so he said, You, O king of the kings of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the strength, you are the head of gold. And then look at verse 39. And after you will rise another kingdom inferior to you, and then a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over the earth. And so we see there with the Medo-Persian empire that came after the... the uh, uh, about after the Babylonians. Let me show you something. I've got a, I've got a picture that I'm going to put up in a couple of weeks that I got when I was at Dallas Seminary just recently, and it is a replica of what they call a cylinder. And in those days, in the, the days that these people existed, they didn't write on pieces of paper, and they didn't write on things that were flat. Sometimes they took like a rock, and they wrote on that rock in a cylinder, so you had to read it like you're turning an ear of corn, like you're eating corn, and you read it. And there's a cylinder that Dallas Seminary I took a picture of to bring to you that is written by the king of the Medo-Persian Empire the night they conquered the Babylonian Empire and conquered the city without killing a soul. And we'll talk about it when time comes. And so I'll show you that, that this is all history. And so there was the Medo-Persians followed by the Greco-Macedonians. And most of you have heard of Alexander the Great. And he was the, his, his father was uh, Philip of Macedon. And they controlled all kind of things. Now, look, there's, there's the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greco-Macedonian Empire. But there's another empire. Verse 39, he says, After you will rise another kingdom in fear to you, and then a third kingdom of bronze. And then here's the fourth kingdom. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks into pieces, it will crush and break all these things into pieces. The fourth empire, strong as iron, was the Roman Empire. And they came after the Greco-Macedonian Empire, after... After, the, uh, after Alexander the Great died, his empire was divided into four parts, and then the empire kind of went on from there, and the Romans came in and took over and controlled the world for a long time. And we're going to see this as we go through the book of Daniel, but I want you to understand something. Now, if you remember the statue, it had a head and arms and chest and then thighs and then legs, but it had feet, iron and clay. 
What Daniel didn't see, there's a gap between the Roman Empire, the legs, and the feet and the toes. He didn't see it. We'll talk about it, why he didn't see it in just a minute. But there's a gap in there. It's a prophetic gap. See, there was the, the Babylonians and the Medio Persians and the Greco Macedonians and the Romans. And the Roman Empire ceases, but there's a gap. And one day there'll be a kingdom that's going to be iron and clay. We'll talk about it in just a second who this is. How does it fit together? There is a gap there. Daniel didn't realize there was a gap. You know why there's a gap? Because the gap is us, the church age. The after, the, after Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again, he ascended to heaven and the church age has come to be. And we've been existing for over 2,000 years. And this, this shows the statue that after the Romans are gone, one day there'll be an empire with feet and ten toes. And it's going to represent... And I don't think you, I don't know whether you can read it or not, but it represents the period of what we call the Antichrist. That's in the future. The events of the feet and the toes, the, the feet and the toes have not happened yet. All the others have happened. And this gap is the church. Now, why is it a gap? And why was it a gap for Daniel? Because we know from Ephesians and Colossians that Paul tells us the church was a mystery. It was not revealed in the Old Testament. And I want you to understand something. When you look at the Bible and you read the Old Testament, the church is never mentioned. The church is the body of Christ. It is us, Jews and Gentiles, into one body together. It did not happen. It was never even known about until Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again. And he builds his church. He brings us together on the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit put us together and we're the body of Christ. It was not predicted in the Old Testament. That's why Daniel never saw it. In fact, no Old Testament prophet knew about the church. And so when Daniel sees the statue, he sees what he thinks is four kingdoms. He thinks the last kingdom is legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. He doesn't realize that Rome is gone, that's the legs, and the feet of iron and clay is a future empire. I want you to notice something. Look at verse 41. In that you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron as much as you saw iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of potter, so will the kingdom be strong and brittle. And then you saw the iron mixed with common clay and they will combine with one another, but they'll not adhere to one another. Now, who, what kingdom is this? Now, on a foot, how many toes are there? On two feet, how many toes on that statue? How many? Ten, you got it right. You know, one day, if you continue to study the Bible, and we're going to look at it in Daniel, we're going to look at it in Revelation, we're going to especially see it in some other chapters, there's going to come a ten-king federation in the future. From those ten kings will come a man who will rise to power. We've often called him the Antichrist. The Bible actually calls him the Beast. And that's going to be a world ruler that happens at the time of what we call the Tribulation. In Daniel chapter 7... In Daniel chapter, that's the feet and the toes. In Daniel chapter 7, he talks about a 10-king federation. He talks about the Antichrist coming to power. We'll also see it in the book of Revelation. I want to show you something that we've talked about many, many times. This is, of course, the Old Testament and the prophecies. This is Jesus dying on the cross, paying for sin, rising again. He's ascending back to heaven. We are in the church age now. Those four kingdoms have already come, the last one being the Roman Empire. At a point in time, we don't know when Jesus Christ is going to come into clouds and we're going 
going to be taken off the face of the earth. It's called the rapture and we'll be gone. After the church is gone, there will be a time in which we call it the seven years of tribulation in which there will be a ten king federation. And of those ten kings, one man will come to power. We've often called him the Antichrist. He's going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel. Oops, I hit hit the wrong one. He's going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel. And that, that's that seven years. There is the ten king federation. That's the toes and the feet that Daniel saw. He just didn't know. He didn't know about us. Because see, there we are. We're the gap. He saw it all ending with Roman Empire. He didn't know. Now, what's going to happen, if you remember, at the end of this tribulation, Jesus Christ is coming back as what? As what? coming back as the king of kings and the lord of lords and he's going to set up a kingdom that will never end we call this the millennial kingdom there'll be a break when they have the great white throne judgment and then we go into eternity which is called the eternal kingdom look what he says is going to happen verse 44 in those days those days of those kings what kings the ten king federation the ten toes in those days of the kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and that kingdom will not be left for another people it will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that this stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future, so the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. God is going to set up a kingdom that will never end. This is where the big stone comes that Daniel sees, or that Nebuchadnezzar saw in the dream and that Daniel talked about. So he will set up a kingdom that will never end. And that stone from the mountain cut without hands, I have this picture that shows the Babylonian Empire, the Medio Persian Empire, the Greco Macedonian Empire, the Roman Empire, and then in the future, the divided nations, the feet of iron and clay, and here's the rock. Jesus Christ coming to set up his kingdom and destroys all the kingdoms of mankind. So the statue represents mankind's kingdoms that God has allowed to be raised up and set down. But one day he will send his son Jesus as the king of kings and the Lord of lords to rule in righteousness and justice. That's what we see. It's a, an amazing, amazing thing. God has made known all of this. So let, let me show you something. Uh, this is the progression. Image of gold, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the chest, Medo-Persians, Darius. We're going to see who Darius is or Darius and Cyrus. The thigh is the Greco-Macedonian, Alexander the Great, the iron, the legs of iron, the Roman Empire. Then the church, that's us. Then there's going to be the feet and toes. That'll be the revised Ten King Federation and the Antichrist. We have no idea of time. And then the rock, God's kingdom, Jesus Christ forever. That's the flow of world events. And in the book of Daniel, all of it has happened except the feet and the toes. And that's coming. And watch what Nebuchadnezzar does. His response, he does, verse 46, the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and a fragrant incense. You know what he's doing? He's worshiping. He's worshiping Daniel. And the king said, answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you've been able to reveal this mystery. He's saying, Your God is great. Now, I want you to see something. He said, Your God is a God of gods. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar still thinks that there are many gods, but Daniel's God is one of the top gods. 
There are people that, you know, that go to India and they worship, they, they go to India and they tell people about Jesus Christ and there are people who are Hindus and different kind of religions and they'll say, oh, Jesus, yeah, good. I, I got like 20 gods, I can add Jesus to mine. See, they don't understand that we're talking about one God, one true God forever. And Nebuchadnezzar, he says, boy, your God is really good at revealing things. I'm gonna put him right on the top of the list. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. So don't read into this that Nebuchadnezzar is believing in the true God of Israel. He might. Wait till we get to chapter 4, and then you tell me what you think. Okay? We'll see it. Well, verse 48. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him rule over the whole province of Babylon and the chief, chief prefect over all the wise men. And Daniel made request to the king, and he said, how about, how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We don't want to leave them out. And so he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. So Daniel didn't forget his friends. When he got moved all the way up to the top, he said, I got three really good friends that are really, really great at this stuff too. And so now all of them are in great positions of responsibility. The dream of statue is the flow. And far as Daniel was concerned of the coming kingdoms, they're the flow of the kingdoms that have come, except one more is coming in the future. Well, let's get some applications. First of all, let's realize that God is sovereign and he works things according to the counsel of his will. There's no such thing as fate or chance. So what do you do? You got to rest in the circumstances of life. We've seen Daniel do that. We've seen that kings come and go. Let me tell you, there are people who come up to me and they say, what are we going to do about North Korea? Who allowed the North Koreans to be North Korea? Who allowed the, the Russians to be Russia? Who allowed all this? Who allows it? God lays up kingdoms and sets down kingdoms. He's in control. Nothing is out of control. You don't have to say, I don't know what we're going to do, because God is in control. We have to trust him. We realize that all blessings are from God. And let me tell you, you know who got a big blessing here? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar realized that God picked him as the head of gold. And then finally, both saved and unsaved, all blessings that way. All nations are ordained by God. Do you understand that? We don't need to be afraid of anything. See if you can remember. If you need some, come by the office. I'll get you some handouts. I'll get you those things. I want you to understand the flow of human history, which is found in Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, Revelation. It's all through the Bible. Most people don't take the time to look to it and put it together. It's a little bit hard to do, but this is what we see. Make sure... Let us make sure we will be in the kingdom that will have no end. The only way to be in the kingdom is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who came to the earth and died on the cross to pay for our sins. He's the one who rose again to conquer death. He is the one that offers a gift. It is the gift of eternal life, and it's simply by faith. If there's anyone in this room who has never put their faith in Christ... Right where you're sitting right now, you can trust in Jesus to give you eternal life. He indeed is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day, he will come and rule in a kingdom that will have no end. If you put your faith in Christ, you will be in the eternal kingdom with Jesus Christ. Finally, last but not least, let's realize that faithfulness brings reward. And you see, Daniel was a faithful man, faithful to serve God. And what happened? Because he was faithful to serve God, he's been raised up to be in a very high place of responsibility in the kingdom. When we serve God, one day, whether it's on this earth or not, one day, if you serve him and you're faithful, you'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant.